doctors are often the person we turn to at the most intimate part of our lives, through the sick, the pain, and the sadness. But suddenly, patients become sicker, people die, and behind a fake front as a physician is just an evil doctor. Here are their stories. Christopher Dunch Christopher was first issued his license to practice medicine in Texas back in 2010. But just within two years into the job, the board began receiving countless complaints against him. Then in June 2013, the Texas Medical Board took the step of suspending his license, stating that, and I quote, he is unable to practice medicine with reasonable skill and safety due to impairment from drugs and alcohol. In the few years he worked as a medical professional, he had three lawsuits filed against him. One lawsuit filed was from Dallas County. According to the reports, Christopher purposefully misdiagnosed the lady's neck pain, recommended unnecessary surgery before botching the operation that occurred in 2012. The woman eventually suffered from a stroke due to the operation and died from blood loss only days later. Another state record obtained illustrates how in the same year as the incident mentioned, he also operated on another patient earlier that year, resulting in a sustained hemorrhaging that he failed or perhaps decided not to identify. She eventually died. On the 24th of July, 2012, Christopher performed surgery on Floella Brown when he knowingly positioned the plate to the left of her spine, injuring her vertebral artery, causing a stroke leading to her death. Then, only a day later, Christopher misplaced a device into Mary Eford's spine while performing surgery. Additionally, he foolishly decided to drill holes in her body, installing screws. The damage done to her nerves were so severe that to this day, she no longer has control over her feet. Just two months later, Christopher operated on a man but suddenly cut the patient's spinal cord, causing him to be completely paralyzed. Eight months later, during an operation, he knowingly selected and installed a screw that was obviously too long. He used a screw that was almost twice as long as what was typically used. The screw, as expected, was pushed through the patient's major vein, causing severe blood loss of over 2 liters worth, and permanently damaged one muscle group as well as her nerve roots. A month later, during a procedure, Christopher oddly dissected a piece of a man's esophagus, leaving a hole and caused the patient to have permanent issues with breathing, swallowing, and eating. He also damaged the patient's vertebral artery, causing low blood supply to the brain, causing the patient to lose more than one liter of blood and permanent spinal nerve damage. To top it off, he left a surgical sponge inside the man's body, causing an infection. These are only a few of the many he either killed or left severely damaged. Christopher Dunch was charged, indicted, and convicted. He was sentenced to life in prison. There were a lot of evidence in this case, but the most damning is what he once wrote to an employee, and I quote, I am ready to leave the love and kindness and become a cold-blooded killer. Farid Fada. Farid was a Lebanon-born doctor who received his medical degree before immigrating to the United States to begin his career. He eventually opened his own practice in 2003 called Michigan Hematology Oncology, specializing in treating blood cancer. He eventually grew the business to seven locations with his own lab, pharmacy, and radiation treatment facility. He was treating over 17,000 patients consistently, allowing him to acquire the reputation of one of the best cancer specialists in the area with the aggressive approach of giving higher doses of chemo drugs, calling it the European Protocol. Despite his success, concerns began arising in 2007 when Maggie Dorsey sued FADA for malpractice 
because he apparently diagnosed her with cancer in 2004, made her go through seven months of aggressive chemotherapy, making it difficult for her to walk. She later found out that she never had cancer in the first place. In 2010, a veteran nurse came in for an interview for a job at his practice and was shocked to see practices that illustrated fraud. From what she experienced, Farid was pumping patients with drugs solely to bill their insurance company for money, regardless of whether they needed it or not. She immediately reported it to the authorities, but it was never pursued. Then in 2013, Farid diagnosed a 54-year-old woman named Monica Flagg with multiple myeloma, an ailment that requires a lifetime of chemo. She broke her leg during her treatment, but since Farid was on vacation, she saw another doctor in another hospital who confirmed that she did not need any sort of chemo treatment. Then finally, a fellow doctor conducted an investigation to find more evidence of misconduct, which after finishing, he brought to the office of the FBI. Farid Fada was arrested the next day for care fraud. The FBI investigators amassed evidence that proved to deceive 553 patients, with some of those patients having already died. Farid coerced them into chemotherapy treatment that they didn't need costing the victim and the insurance company a total of $34 million. Farid Fada was sentenced to 45 years in prison, and to this day, the patients he treated wrongly still suffers from the negative effects of the treatment, and they still haven't gotten restitution. Graeme Reeves In Australia, lived a gynecologist and obstetrician. From 1985 until 2000, he worked in several hospitals in northern Sydney. Just a year after beginning his career, the complaints began rolling in made by doctors, nurses, and patients. The complaints ranged from negligence, malpractice, and bullying. One report states that he disliked a patient that was delivering a non-viable fetus. In the result of his personal feelings, he refused to offer proper pain relief and declined to resuscitate her. Then in 1996, Graham refused to give a patient antibiotics for his ailment, septicemia. The patient therefore died and the hospital suspended him. The hospital also noted his aggressive conduct that was shown in all of the places he had worked at. In 1997, a hospital advisory committee placed limits on his practice, but he packed and moved to a place where he can pursue it once more. He landed in the South Coast region with the Greater Southern Area Health Service from 2002 until 2003. Graham did not reveal to them the limits that the advisory committee placed on his rights to practice and shockingly, the employer did not verify his information. By the end of the same year he was hired, complaints began to roll in once again, but the complaints were not pursued. After 10 babies and 7 women suddenly passed away under Graham's care, an investigation immediately launched. Complaints collected as evidence illustrated a man who purposely tore vaginal canals, perforated bladders, stitched vaginas together, and unknowingly removing reproductive organs of women. It was concluded that he acted intentional and calculated dishonesty to most of his patients. Finally, on September 8, 2008, after 23 years since starting his medical career, Graham Reeves was arrested. He was sentenced to only two to three and a half years for all the harm he did, including practicing without registration. Unfortunately, after a mere nine months, he was released. 60 other charges were also dropped, but the trial, as more evidence comes, continues. 
Kermit Gosnell Kermit was born in Philadelphia and the only child of an average African-American family. Growing up, he was the top student in Central High School and earned a bachelor's degree from Dickinson College and a medical degree at Jefferson Medical School. Kermit spent four decades of his life practicing medicine in the low-income neighborhoods. He also opened a halfway house as well as a rehab clinic for drug addicts. Suddenly, during his successful career, he became an advocate of abortion rights. He opened an abortion clinic and soon became a name everyone respected. He became well-known due to his performed televised abortions and even became the finalist in Young Philadelphian of the Year. Despite his bright reputation, what the public did not know at first was the unending tax liens on multiple properties he owned and the growing list of complaints against him. But everyone was soon to be clued in on the terror. In 2010, a raid was performed by the DEA due to illegal drug prescription use and found not only unlicensed professionals administering drugs, but also a disgusting, unsanitary, horrendous clinic. In fact, it was so filthy that blood, urine, and feces were found on the floor, and a flea-infested cat was roaming around relieving itself anywhere it could find. As they searched the place, they found medications that were past expiration dates. The surgical instruments laying everywhere were not sterile. The equipment used were covered with rust, and the suction tubing used for the oxygen was completely corroded. As they searched further, they came across something grislier. Fetal remains were stored in every part of the clinic. They were stored in plastic bags, milk-labeled jugs, orange juice cartons, cat food containers, it was everywhere. Some of the fetal remains that were found were also older than 24 weeks, which was the legal limit of abortions. When they found the basement, they discovered waste from the abortion clinic piled high with a 19-week fetus in the freezer. A total of 45 fetuses were recovered, with some of them being babies killed after being born alive. Kermit was charged with 8 counts of murder. The 7 counts of murder are for the babies who cried after birth and was killed by lethal action of the clinic utilizing scissors. The additional count of murder is for giving a 90-pound woman a lethal dose of anesthesia and painkillers. Another complaint was made by a 15-year-old girl who changed her mind about abortion. Kermit apparently got so angry that he pinned her down and performed the abortion anyway and against her will. Another complaint was by a 28-year-old woman who was 5 months pregnant when she had her abortion done. She was left barely able to walk and later realized that they left fetal remains inside her uterus, which was suctioned by the evil doctor without anesthesia. Kermit was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Joseph Michael Swango Joseph was raised in Quincy, Illinois and was a bright student. He graduated as valedictorian in a Catholic high school, played clarinet, and was even a part of the Quincy Notre Dame band. He served in the Marine Corps, receiving an honorable discharge in 1980. He later went on to receive his degree graduating as summa cum laude, and later a doctorate at a medical school. Though he was considered a brilliant student by many, even proving so by winning the American Chemical Society Award, he was known as very lazy. Joseph was so lazy that he preferred to work as an ambulance attendant rather than study. It was at this point when it was realized that he had a fascination with dying people. Every patient he was assigned to check up on always suddenly suffered life-threatening emergencies with at least five of them dying. Despite the poor evaluation he received graduating med school, 
He received a surgical internship at Ohio State University Medical Center in 1983, which was followed by a residency in neurosurgery. When he worked at a particular hospital wing, nurses suddenly noticed a huge increase in healthy patients suddenly dying. Anytime a patient would mysteriously die, Joseph was the floor intern. In fact, one nurse caught him injecting what he called medicine into a patient who later became fatally ill. The nurses reported their concerns, but the administrators waived their accusations, saying that they were paranoid. Joseph was perceived by many as the brilliant new intern after all. Then, in July of 1984, Joseph returned to his hometown and began working as an EMT. Soon, many paramedics realized that whenever Joseph prepared coffee or brought food in, several of his co-workers would become violently ill with no cause whatsoever. In October of that same year, he was arrested after being found with arsenic and other poison in his possession. He was sentenced to five years in prison. After being released in 1989, he found a job as a lab technician for ATI Coal. During his time there, multiple employees complained of persistent and increasing stomach pains, but he was never accused. He then married to a nurse, Kristen Kinney, changed his name to Daniel J. Adams, and in July of 1992, he began working as a doctor again by forging several legal documents. However, when he applied to join the American Medical Association, they released information to his employers about the falsified information coercing him to flee once more. Joseph moved again, but this time at a psychiatric facility in New York. During his first rotation, patients started dying and for no explicable reason again. Then suddenly, his wife Kristen suffered violent migraines causing her to return to her hometown where she committed suicide. Kristen's mother believed Joseph had something to do with it and therefore took the matter into her own hands. She found his exact location and reported it to the dean of the hospital he was working at. They launched an investigation and he fled again. Joseph left to Zimbabwe in November of 1994 and got a job at a hospital. Again and almost immediately, his patients began dying but this time it took a year to trace the fault back to him. He was arrested but escaped before trial to Zambia. The FBI utilized highly skilled forensic psychiatrists to help with the case, which allowed them to gain enough evidence and information of his whereabouts. Joseph Swango was arrested by immigration officers in June of 1997 while he was stopping over at Chicago O'Hare International Airport on his way to Saudi Arabia. According to the reports, there were evidence that would link Joseph to 35 suspicious deaths but the FBI believes that he is responsible for more than 60 homicides. He was sentenced to life. Hey guys, thank you for watching. Apologies for being away. We just moved and have been very busy with unpacking as well as with work. However, starting today, we will be uploading very regularly. So let us know below of any topics you would like me to cover. And please smash that like button. And if you are new, subscribe.